You know, a while back, quite a while back, I started a little series which I reserve the right to come back to at any time. And this was the series, you got to know when to hold them and you got to know when to fold them. <laughs> Remember that message back in 2015? That first one came out in February. There was a second edition of you got to know when to hold them and you got to know when to fold them. came out, if I'm not mistaken, um, somewhere near June or something. So this is part three. Don't ask me to know what happened before. I really don't know. But I will say this. I did, this just dropped into my spirit. And that was that a lot of things in life are, are quite like a card game. You know, I don't know if you've enjoyed card games in your families, but that has been a highlight for us. I mean, we just enjoy playing cards with grandma and grandpa. And, you know, when you go out to the beach house, everybody wants to play all these different games and that. And it's no different with our house. And uh, anyway, the, the interesting thing about card games is, of course, you shuffle the cards. Somebody shuffles the cards, right? And then somebody deals the cards, and there's a certain number of rules that go along with it. Is that right? Whether it's Crazy Eights or whether it's Canasta or I don't know what your game of choice is. But the idea is that certain cards represent opportunities to the players at the board. Amen? <laughs> it's hard to say amen talking about cards. <laughs> by the way, there was this song. I, I, can't, I won't sing it for you. It's, it was cut by the little big town boondocks. And it, there's a line in it that said like this, uh, five card poker on Saturday night and church on Sunday morning. <laughs> that was a fun. Uh, you get a line, I'll get a pole. We'll go fishing in the crawfish hole. Five card poker on Saturday night and church on Sunday morning. Thought that was cute. There will be opportunity for a little bit of comic relief, ladies and gentlemen. So don't be so stiff in here, all right? <laughs> anyway, the thing about card games that is so similar to real life is that each card represents an opportunity for you to do something. And in life, what happens to us and what happens through us, whether for good or bad, depends really a lot on what you hold on to and what you let go of. And that's why in Christianity, so we're going to bring it to Christianity now, you need to really know what to hold on to, and you need to know what to just flat let go. I mean, you might, you know, in certain games, you know, there's a card that you get, and that looks pretty good. That hand looks pretty good. But if I, if I, can I just trade this in and get something better? There's a hope for something better. Amen. And you see, and here's the thought for us. I believe the Lord is provoking us. Don't just settle for an okay hand. Don't just settle for a good hand when you can get a God hand in life. Amen. Your future, your family, your ministry, your career, your quality of life can be great, greatly depends on who or what you hold on to. People, places, and things what you let go of. And of course, we've all, has anybody played a game where you mistakenly hand, held on to a bad hand? You didn't take the risk and just cash them all in. You held on to a bad hand. Huh? And inadvertently let go of a good hand. You know, sometimes we, the enemy would try to fool you into letting go of something really quite good. Yeah. Because you don't discern just how good you really have it. <laughs> oh boy, we could meddle a little bit, but I won't. 
so choices are in, very, very important in life. And we're going to go to the, the choice chapter, Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 9 through 20. This kind of highlights the idea, and we won't read 19. That should, that should be 19. Deuteronomy 30, 19 and 20. I call heaven and earth as witness today against you. That I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose what? Choose life. That both you and your descendants may do what? Live. That you may love the Lord your God. And that you may obey his voice and that you may cling to him. For he is your life and the length of your days. That you may dwell in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac and Jacob... To give them. Amen. And so, this scripture clearly messes with a lot of people's theology. They just think that, you know, everything happens for a reason and whatever happens will happen. Well, not exactly. You have some choices to make. We get to make choices. And so today, here's a little, maybe a little comic relief. Somebody might catch this and laugh and help me out a little bit. My mom's watching from heaven to make sure you laugh. You've heard of good dad, bad dad, you know, poor, rich dad, poor dad, right? Rich dad, poor dad, right, right. He's pretty popular these days. Um, well, how about good hand, bad hand? <laughs> Listen to this. First Peter chapter five, a little loosen you up a little bit. First Peter chapter five, verse six in the King James version says this talking about the hand that God is dealing you. Okay. <laughs> the thought humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time now this has a little dual purpose the Lord will allow me to be a little elastic about the scripture we understand that the hand of the Lord demonstrates the power of God that would be on your life or the supernatural quality of God on your life but for our message tonight since you got to know how to hold them and how to fold them the hand that the Lord gives you Sometimes you need to humble yourself under the hand that he deals you. The people that he's placed you in league with. The church where he's called you. Hello. The callings that he's handed to you. He's dealt these things to you. You know, when God brings people into your life, when he brings a church, a pastor, a calling, colleagues, a business into your life, it's a super, somebody say supernatural connection. And to say that you are humbling yourself under the mighty hand of God can also be taken not only that you're obedient to God where he says, I want you to go and I want you to be united to this company or united to this church or united to these people. I want you to be a faithful there. But also, it's when, when you're given a hand, it's the position in which you are located, you see. When I'm, I'm giving you, this is my hand, the hand that I have in my heart. Let's see, the place I live, you understand, the place I live, the friends I keep, the church I attend, the, edu- the, 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 the did I say the job yet, the job where I go, and the, the various connections. These are all a hand that God has placed before you. I mean, it's hard for me to fellowship with somebody in Alaska. Is that right? I mean, I'm just saying. I know the internet and all that, but hey, that still doesn't qualify. You got to be here. If I mean, thank God my wife's back. 
I did my bestest to stay connected to my wife, but I tell you, living in two places and then calling on the phone for an hour and a half and having these hour and a half conversations in the morning, these hour and a half conversations at night, can we drop off? I mean, that works just for a little while. Eventually, you have to be present because the, the blessing of the Lord is in many cases, it's dependent on a place. Y'all have heard the teaching, and it's true, that uh, the the Lord called that place Jehovah Jireh. A lot of times, us charismatics like to say, oh, Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. Yeah, well, yeah, but the Lord will provide in that place. That's the place of provision for you. That God has called you to be in that place. Just saying. So the hand. So you have to know when God is giving you a supernatural hand. And and mind you this. Sometimes when God gives you a hand, it doesn't always look spectacular. Doesn't always look great. We're going to look at a couple stories tonight. And you'll see that that doesn't look like a good hand. Like really? A bunch of deuces and... And the deuces weren't wild and really like I need big car. I want an ace and kings and I want big cards, you know, I want, you know, glamour and I want lights and I want angels to appear. And sometimes it's just something very, very basic, very steady. And then it develops from that. Let's move ahead. I think you'll be blessed by what we cover a little later tonight. Hallelujah. Where are we here? Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. Oh, yeah. I like this one. Joel chapter 2, verse 20, uh, chapter 2, verse 25 and 27, King James Version, talks about God dealing things. So he's dealing tonight. God's a dealer. I will restore to you the years that the locust has eaten. I like that. How about you? The canker worm, the caterpillar, the palmer worm, my great army which I sent among you, and you shall eat in plenty. Somebody said, I like that. And be satisfied and praise the name of the Lord your God that has dealt <laughs> wonderfully with you and my people shall never be ashamed and you shall know that I am in the midst of Israel that I am the Lord your God and none else uh, and my people shall never be ashamed okay enough of that let's move ahead to our scriptures are you ready to step into this hallelujah tonight we're going to talk about when God gives you a hand it's so important for you to maintain a position of peace and unity in that place and you're going to see how when the enemy tries to pull you out of that place by using strife. But, you know, if you're wise, you're going to stay in that place. And you always have the winning hand when you walk in peace and you walk in love and you walk in unity. Are we ready? Psalm 133. Can you turn that with me in your Bibles? Again, I'm reading from the King James Version. Notice what it says here. Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to do what? To dwell together in unity. Unity. It's like the precious ointment upon the head that ran down the beard, even Aaron's beard, that went down the skirts of his garment and the dew of Hermon. And as the dew that descended upon the mountains of Zion. Now catch this. For there, for there the Lord commanded the blessing, even life evermore. Now I just want to make a a clear point of something. We've become acclimated to people being divided. 
we become acclimated to the nation somewhat being divided. You have this party and 50% are there or 49%. And then you have this party and 49 or 50 or 51% are there. And, and this, this thing is divided. That doesn't work in the kingdom of God. It doesn't work in marriage. It doesn't work in a friendship. It doesn't work in a church. Don't be acclimated to 50-50 or 49-51. That's not good enough. Our Bible says be of one mind, be of one heart, speaking the same thing. And we're not on a power trip. We're endeavoring to honor God. We're not trying to exalt ourselves. We all together are exalting Him, exalting His word, exalting His code of conduct, His purpose, His plan. So don't buy into this 50-50 thing just because people around you are all divided. You, you know, and you've all been there. I know you have. You've gone onto the job somewhere where 50% of the people hate the boss, this boss, and 50% of other people love the other boss. Come on, am I just, you know, making things up or what? And there's little this and there's little that going on. That's not a way to prosper. Pastor has been doing a series on the abundant life or abundance, right? Or abounding. And I'm telling you right now, what we are talking about tonight is not peripheral to you increasing in God in every area. What we're talking about tonight is not peripheral to you expanding and becoming healthy, becoming strong, becoming, can I say, wealthy in God, having peace in your soul. All of these components are so important as part of what God wants for your life. So a kingdom divided does not work. A home divided does not work. A church divided does not work. Can I even say this? A nation divided does not work. Now, now let me just clarify something. That doesn't mean everybody has to have the same opinion. But what it means is we can each appreciate one another what the differences are. Like... You know, we don't, I don't expect my wife to be exactly like me. And my wife, she expects me to be like her. But I mean, <laughs> I had to throw that one in there. We're different. And there are different graces. That's what covenant is about. You take the difference from this person that's a strength and the difference of that person that's a strength and you put it together. And you end up with a stronger uh, position than if you were apart from each other. Are you listening to me? Some couples don't understand that. Some companies don't understand that. One of the wonderful things about my, uh, my tenure here is serving under such what a wonderful church and pastors is that I appreciate what he has. I am not Pastor Mark Thomas. I'm not Pastor Brenda Thomas. But then they're not me either. And we don't try to be each other. We're just who we are. And we allow the grace of God. And you shouldn't be like trying to be like someone else. You should operate in the grace that God has put on your life. You have an anointing from the Holy One. Some of you are great with numbers. Some of you are great with computers. Some of you are great with film. (laughs) Some of you are good (laughs) with art. Some of you are great with organization. Some of you are great at hospitality. Some of you are great with mercy, visiting people. There are multiple gifts in the body of Christ. So we're not all trying to be the same. Heavens no, we're trying to go in the same direction and put all of our gifts to work in the same direction with with the same purpose. Amen. Somebody said amen. Amen. And so 
uh, I'm going to draw a little bit from musical background. You know, if you look throughout the history of some really great rock and roll bands, sorry, some really great, great bands, it's really like incredible how they, they have this amazing chemistry on stage. And then after so long, they break up and like, what? What, what happened? You guys, what you were doing up there sounded so almost... I don't know, you know you're not supposed to say this on church, but it was like, like otherworldly. You guys were awesome. But then they, they got into strife. They got into disagreement. This is no different than what happens in, company, in, some, uh, in, in families, in homes, everything. But dear God, let it not happen here. <laughs> and let me just share a scripture here before we get into our main story. And that would be... Um, uh, the, the scripture that, that says, in, in, we're going to skip down to the message version, James chapter 3, verse 17 and 18, that says, real wisdom, God's wisdom begins with a holy life and is characterized, this is the message version, characterized by getting along with others. It is gentle and, somebody say reasonable, Overflowing with mercy and blessing. Not hot one day and cold the next. Not, somebody say, two-faced. You can develop a healthy, robust community that lives right with God and enjoy its results only if you do the hard work. I want you to catch this. Only if you do the hard work of getting along with each other. I don't know why it's so much hard work. <laughs> but you know, it's worth it. All right, let me just clarify something. No, we don't have a bunch of drama going on in the church. But do you know why we don't have a bunch of drama going on in the church? Do you know why the piano player is not at, at, at odds with the drummer, is not at odds with the other singer, is not at odds with the other person, is not at odds with the other... The reason why there isn't a bunch of this going on is because this sort of teaching has been going forth year after year after year, and we have been trained... We've been trained to sniff out the spirit of strife. Now listen, God's trying to take us someplace. This church is abounding and increasing. And whether you realize it or not, one of the greater factors of us being able to increase the way God wants us to is that scripture says that there... God has commanded the blessing. We're right there where people are in unity. Right there where they're at peace and appreciating one another. Right there where they work things out. Listen, if you're a human being and you've been on planet Earth at all, and I think you have been on planet Earth, I don't think you're cyborgs. I'd like to meet a cyborg one day, but I don't think you're one of them. Whenever you put two people together, something's going to happen. I mean, it's just the way it is in life. But you know, that's why the Bible says, be kind and tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God for Christ's sake has, has forgiven you. And we're even instructed to guard the spirit of peace, to guard the peace with his, with his bond of love. Oh, I'll have the scripture there. I know I'm quoting it wrong. <laughs> but we're supposed to guard its precious. 
it's precious to be able to come to church and not have a bunch of drama. Say, somebody say, no drama zone. No drama zone. Thank you. Bunch of flesh hanging out. Forget that. So let's talk about our father Abraham. Now we're going to get to the. There's a couple of stories I wanted to share with you tonight. I'm not going to preach all night. Just, you know, half the night. No, just kidding. Genesis chapter 13 in the New King James Version. We're going to read a story about Abraham. Then Abraham went up from Egypt, he and his wife and all he had, lot with him to the south. Abraham was very rich in livestock and silver and gold. He went on his journey from the south as far as Bethel and to the place where his tent had been at the beginning between Bethel and Ai to the place of the altar which he had made there at first. And there Abraham called on the name of the Lord. Is Abraham a godly man? Somebody say yes. Lot also went with him, verse 5, that had flocks and herds and tents. Now the land was not able to support them because uh, that they might dwell together, for their possessions were so great that they could not dwell together. Too much stuff. And there was strife between the herdsmen of Abraham's livestock and the herdsmen of Lot's livestock and the Canaanites and the Perizzites that dwell in the land. So, so here's what happened in verse number 8. So Abram said to Lot, please, now we need to adopt this. Please, please, he says, let there be no strife between you and me and between my herdsmen and your herdsmen. Why? Why? Because we're brethren. Let, see, you could, here's a little wisdom. You could still, something can come up and you could be family. And something could come up. But that doesn't mean that you need to let strife come in. Hello. There's a difference. You don't have to let that spirit come in. See, the Bible tells us that where strife is, and where, where contention and strife is, there's, there's, there's all kind of wickedness, every evil work. That's not what you want. That's not how to prosper in this year. That's not how to increase in your life. So it says, we're brethren. Is not the whole land before you? Please separate from me. So at some time, it's okay to create, somebody say distance. Distance is not the devil. (laughs) You just have to do it right. So have a little space. Have you ever heard somebody say, give me a little space. (gasps) Give me some space. So take a little space, but you better have a right heart about it. Somebody say, have a right heart about it. Separate from me, said Abraham. You take, if you take the left, I will go to the right. If you go to the right, I'll take the left. So this is very interesting because um, he really, it was his road trip. Right? I mean, God didn't call Lot. God called Abraham, right? So this is Abraham's gig, right? But he gave the choice to Lot. Boy, Abraham must have had a lot of confidence in God that he could be out in the middle of somebody saying nowhere and give the choice to some upstart (laughs) nephew and know that he's still going to be okay. It's going to be I. I. Somebody didn't understand that. It's going to be all right. So look at what happened in verse 10. Lot lifted up his eyes and saw the plain of Jordan that it was, somebody say, well watered. Yeah, everywhere before the Lord. And that this, of course, before the Lord destroyed 
uh, Sodom and Gomorrah, like the garden of the Lord and, and like the land, you know, of Egypt as you go toward Zoar. Then Lot chose for himself. Can I just say he chose the, the place that looked real good? Let's go back. Can we go back to the card game right now? Sometimes when a card is dealt to you in life, you know, that apartment may not look that, may, can, can I just say it may look tacky? That car might look tacky, right? It may not be glamorous, but if the Lord provides that for you, or how about this, the job. The Lord says, opens the door for you for a job. It may not look glamorous. It may not have six to seven or eight figures like you were dreaming, love. (laughs) But it's amazing to me. I'll just tell you from experience, and I have a witness on the front row. I have taken jobs where I took a cut in pay, a severe cut in pay, just because I knew that's what I, I needed to do where, where God wanted me to be. We left everything. I mean, I was, I was making really good money at 22 years old or 23. When was it that we went to Texas? I was about 22 years old, 23. I'm making really good money. You know, for a, for a, for a kid that's making 40000 back in the 70s, that's a lot of money. And I left that. To go sweat in Texas. To go. <laughs> oh man, the bugs are that big. Ew. Can I, did I say ew? Say ew. It's muggy and sticky and ew. Why did I do that? Because I felt prompted in my heart. I got to go. I've got to do something. I've got to follow after God. That was the card that was dealt to me. So, I wasn't money led. We were spirit-led, and we did that. We went over there and lived with those big bugs. <laughs> but God had mercy on us and brought us back. Okay, end of story. <laughs> let's come back. Sometimes he'll deal you a card that doesn't look that glamorous. I mean, let's face it. A three of spades or, you know, a four of diamonds doesn't look that glamorous. Come on. It's not the queen or the king or the ace. Come on. But you don't know what God is arranging in the background. That's why it's so important for you never to try, never to despise the supply and the place that God has put you in. Don't despise that. People almost miss David. Like you got Okay, I'm here to Samuel. Okay, I'm here to anoint the one, the next king of Israel. Let's see who they are. So, oh, there's a handsome dude. That's not the one. Really? Okay, let me bring the next one. Okay, surely that's the one. Ma, he ain't bad. He looks pretty good. Tall and muscular. He's not the one either. Really, Lord? Okay, the next one, please. This is getting old. Okay, we're running out of sons here. We're running out of options. Then they bring up the next one. And think about this. David, the shepherd's dad, didn't even put him on the list because he didn't even think he had the goods to do what needed to be done. I mean, think about that. Come on, I mean, he didn't get picked for the ball team. You know, <laughs> the last one that gets picked, he wasn't even on the bench to be picked on. So, are you sure you don't have somebody else? Well, there's some kid out there, you know, tending sheet, whatever. Okay, go, go bring Sweaty in here. Let's get Sweaty in here and see what happens. <laughs> and Sweaty came in, 17-year-old Sweaty came in. Maybe he might have been 17, 16-year-old Sweaty. Comes in. And the Spirit of the Lord says, Arise and anoint him, for he's the one. You see, God doesn't look at outward appearances, and neither should you. 
You shouldn't look at things just because I made a dollar. You shouldn't take a job just because it makes a dollar more an hour or $10,000 more a year, $30,000 more a year. You need to be led by the Spirit of God. We're not called to be money-led. We're not called to be people-led. Well, this place is coaster to mom and dad. We're not called to even do that. Wow, it got real quiet, sort of. Some people ate it and some people didn't. I don't know. Where were we? So, sometimes the card doesn't look too good. But see, Abraham, he, the Lord took him to the other. The, it was dry. It was drab. It was hot. It was sticky. And he said, lift up your eyes. I'm giving this all to you. Everywhere that you tread, I'm giving it to you and your descendants. It didn't look very good at the time. Did it look good for the home team? The brother it looked like he missed the opportunity of his road trip. But au contraire, you know what got burned up, Sodom and Gomorrah. You can't tell what's going to happen, but God knows what's going to happen. Hallelujah. Was Abraham blessed in the end? Somebody say yes. So look what happened here. Um, he, He felt it was more important to preserve the relationship and to keep his heart clear, right? than to try to position himself with real estate. No, that's my apartment building. I mean, dear Lord, people fighting over grandma's, you know, rocking chair. And that was my favorite table. I want that. No, I want that table. I want it. Seriously, take the table. <laughs> really? I mean, really? <laughs> I wanted the Ford. No, I wanted the Ford. That rust bucket, take it. <laughs> Some of you know what I'm talking about. It's not worth it. You need to ask yourself this question. Whenever those kind of situations arise, they may arise with company. They may arise uh, with family members. Can you afford that? Can you afford? Yeah, you'll end up with grandma's rocking chair, but look what it's going to do to your relationship with your brothers and sisters. Come on. Help me out a little bit. So here's what's really interesting. Genesis 26, I like this because... Oh, Genesis 18, I like this. So, so Abraham knew how to protect his spirit from the spirit of strife. And, and he, was, he trusted God enough to not just rely on what, looked, what it looked like, like he's getting the short end of the stick. Look at what it says in Genesis 18. Uh, verse 17 through 19. You getting anything out of this card game tonight at all? And the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham that thing which I do, seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him? For I know him that he will command his children and his household after him, and that they shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he's spoken of him. So here's a thought. God has so many promises and so many divine appointments for you. You, yes. But I want you to notice in that scripture, it says that he's going to command his children, his household after him, that they keep the way of the Lord and do righteousness and justice so that what can happen? So that then the Lord will be able to bring Abraham, right? 
to bring to Abraham what he's spoken of him. In other words, for God to be able to bring it to pass in your life, you've got to be in the right place spiritually. Come on. You've got to be in the right space emotionally, spiritually. You've got to physically be in the right place. You can't be tossing and turning at night so mad at those people. I'm so mad at those people. You're going to miss God. There's a reason why the Bible that says, don't let the sun go down on your wrath. There's a reason for that. Don't miss God. And part of the reason why Abraham became one of the greatest figures, you know, probably the wealthiest man on the earth at that time. And we're not just talking about wealth monetarily, although, yes, he was very wealthy was that he was disciplined enough to follow in the way of the Lord and teach it to his children so that they would follow suit. And one of the things that they did is that they avoided the spirit of strife. Pastor Tom, I wonder if this is important in my life. You bet. Absolutely. A person that is holding something, you go to pray. How about Mark 11, 23 and 24? You go to pray and you're speaking to the mountain and blah, 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 hot air, friends. If you're holding something against someone, and while you stand praying, it says in verse 24, if you have aught against any, come on, you need to release them. You mean to tell me that my prayer life is hindered because I'm mad at brother and sister bucket mouth? Yes, that's exactly what I'm saying. <laughs> because you're mad at brother and sister bucket mouth. <laughs> Come on, loosen up, everybody. I mean, Sister Bucket Mouth was one of those wild cards in your deck. They, and now we're dealing, dealing. And then, ah, oh, you got Sister Bucket Mouth. <laughs> Boy, that's going to increase your prayer life. <laughs> How many of you had a brother and sister bucket life in your bucket mouth in your life when you were sitting at the table and the, the day the cards were dealt? Like, oh, it's a brother or sister bucket mouth. Okay, let's start praying right now. God, I forgive them. Now, I want, you, I, want you to learn, I want you to catch something from, where was I? I was trying to tell something about, uh, about how this flowed through with Isaac. Check this out. In Genesis chapter 26, Pastor Tom, how important it is for me to be, have a strife-free zone. It's so important that I don't care what degrees you have. I don't care how much you work out or how many vitamins you take or how many push-ups you can do or how many triathlons you can run. Huh? Or what pedigree you might think you have. If you have strife in your life, life will not work for you. It will bite you and it will eat you alive. I'm just saying. Look what happened with Isaac in Genesis 26, chapter 12 and 20, verse 12 through 22. Then Isaac sowed in that land and reaped in the same year a hundredfold, and the Lord blessed him. Now, let me preface this by showing the parallel. When we were looking at Abraham's life, notice it said of Abraham that he was very rich in cattle, very rich in gold, very rich in silver, very rich in men, servants, and ladies. I mean, you get the picture, right? He was very rich. But see, it didn't just start that way. It was because that, that was giving an account of where he was at the time. But what led to that was a lifestyle of trusting God, being at the right place at the right time, and keeping his heart pure and clean before the Lord. Not holding things against people, not stewing and being bitter. Well, his son 
Isaac is what he he grew up in a family that that was the family culture. Wake up, friends. That's the culture of the family of God. We're kind. We're forgiving. We're long suffering. We're non-judgmental. Help me, somebody. We believe in one another. We believe in the work of Christ in one another. We do our best. Boy, you know what? The last I don't know when the last time you read 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4, 5, and 6, or was it 5, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, whatever, in the Amplified Bible. But that's hard to do. Love does not even take an account of a suffered wrong. Come on, Carolyn, you know that's hard to do. Love doesn't even, doesn't even notice? Serious? I mean... Brother, scratch my car? I mean, really? Don't mess with my car. Really? And you, okay, well. (laughs) (laughs) Love doesn't even take into account. They said, what about me? Love does not hang on to stuff like that. You just let it go. Let it drop. Somebody said amen. amen. So let's get on to this. Isaac sowed in that land and he was blessed. Say he was blessed. And he reaped in that same year a hundredfold. By the way, not everybody else reaped a hundredfold. Only Isaac. Isaac. Isaac reaped. There was famine everywhere else. But Isaac is the one that reaped a hundredfold. And the Lord did what to him? He blessed him. And the man began to prosper. Boy, you mean, you mean he's just start? God, I, have, I have a word for you. God's just starting right now. I know where you are and how blessed you feel. But God is just starting to pour it out on you. And if you can receive it and walk in what he has for you, we've got some awesome days ahead of us. You've got some wonderful days ahead of you. The man began to prosper and continued prospering until he became very prosperous. Okay, we get it. For he had possessions of flocks and possessions of herds, etc., etc., servants, just like his dad. So the Philistines envied him. Uh-oh. There we go. Somebody just flipped a little S card, the strife card. They envied him, and the Philistines stopped up all the wells which his father's servants had dug in the days of Abraham. And the Philistines came to your computer and put a virus on it so you wouldn't be able to put your report in on time. Or they unplugged the freezer so all the stakes would go bad. Or something. <laughs> I don't know. People do some wicked things, man. (laughs) But notice what it says here. They filled them with earth. Verse 16. Uh, Abimelech said to Isaac, Go away from us, for you are much mightier than we. In verse 17, So Isaac departed from there and pitched his tent in the valley of Gerar and dwelt there. And Isaac dug again the wells of water which they had dug in the days of Abraham his father. For the Philistines had stopped them up after the death of Abraham. He called them by the names which his father called them. And also Isaac's servants dug in the valley and found a well of running water there. But look at verse 20, please. Can you please? But the herdsmen of Gerar quarreled with Isaac's herdsmen saying, the water is ours. Uh Uh-oh. So he called the name of the the well Ezek because they quarreled with him. That that didn't go too well. So what did Isaac do? I got a right to be here. Give me my, I I want a lawyer. I'm going to get my, I'm going to get my lawyer. Don't don't make me get my lawyer. Is that what he said? That's not what he said. What do you get? So, so he went on. He dug another well. Verse 21. And they quarreled over that one also. Just like people. That's my seat. <laughs> I just, I'm just saying. I'm going to catch me a couple of ushers. That's my seat. You can't sit in that seat. That's my seat. So he dug himself another well. <laughs> I'm sorry. I couldn't resist. Carolyn was over there. You were looking at me, Carolyn. I just had to say that. And he moved from there and dug another well. 
But something happened. But they did not quarrel over it. Yeah, thank you, Steve. That's what I'm talking about, finally. So look at this. He moved from there. They did not quarrel over it, so he called its name Rehoboth. I hope I'm pronouncing it half decent. Because he said, for now the Lord has made room for us, and we shall be fruitful in the land. The first thing I want to point to you from this little story is, first, the same anointing that was on Abraham followed his son. He walked in the same way. And we need to walk in the same way. Second lesson from it, people cannot really steal from you. Get this. You cannot curse whom God has blessed. If people talk bad about you and they make up stories, I wish I had time. I could tell you stories. Not, not in this company, of course. Been here 30 years. But when I used to work in other companies, you know, in the secular world, when I worked out there in the secular world, there were people that made up stories about me the same way they make stories up about you. Just make sure the stories aren't true. <laughs> and if they are, repent. Humble yourself. Well, what, what, what was I trying to get at, Lord? <laughs> he did not allow a spirit of strife to come on the inside of him, and neither should you. Your increase Really, your calling depends on it. The role that you are playing in the last days depends on it. You need to walk in love. They shall know you are Christians by your love, the spirit of love. Not that you have the greatest lawyers. Okay, <laughs> I'm just saying. So now, I'm going to read a couple of, 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 of other scriptures and I think we're going to close. How about that? Proverbs 17:14 says, starting a quarrel is like breaching a dam. So drop the matter before a dispute breaks out. Proverbs 20, verse 3. I'm just saying, I know you have flesh just like I do. Amplified Bible, classic edition. Proverbs 20, verse 3. It is an honor for a man to cease from strife and keep aloof from it but every fool will quarrel I like what it says in the NLT I don't know if we have the New Living Translation up there but my friends in high places are going to try avoiding a fight is a mark of honor only fools insist on quarreling and I'll close with this little story when our son our second son, Sterling, was taking karate. And we would go there. His, his grandmaster, I don't know, I forgot, sen, they don't call him sensei. I don't know what they call What was he called? Uh, but he was a seventh degree master black belt, Jordan, you know, Jordan Palin. And uh, he, he lined up all of his, from little kids, it was kind of fun, little kids to grandpas. I wouldn't get out there. Jeez, are you kidding me? I don't want to get in there. And all that. But he said something very interesting to us as he was coaching the kids and the parents are there watching. He was saying, what do you do when you're faced in a potential situation where there's high level of conflict and violence? What do you do? And I was thinking like, gee, if you're, if you're Jordan Pelham, knock him out. Come on, Rambo, go get him, man. I love that, man. Come on, just do the, you know, do the. He goes, you need to learn the fine art 
of run foo. <laughs> A seventh degree black belt said you need to learn the fine art of run foo. In other words, drop that card and leave the table. You got to know when to hold them. You got to know when to fold them. You know when to walk away and you got to know when to run. There are some things, friends, you got to run. Run from those things. I could, a couple things come to mind. But you know, just because you can argue or just because you do have a case or just because you have invested so much and you deserve all this doesn't mean that you should do this. Doesn't mean you should jump in there with blue feet and get a lawyer and just argue your case and I want to see a supervisor. You know, sometimes I'm not saying never send the stake back. <laughs> I'm not saying don't take back a defective thing or if they didn't fix your car right, never take it back. We're not doormats. But you know, within reason, we're talking about if it's something that's petty, like that person talked to me wrong. Well, hello, they had a bad day. You know, they're full of demons. Why don't you help them? <laughs> Demon child behind the counter over there. Like, what? What do you want? Like, excuse me, we're the customers. We're the ones paying you. Hello. I'm on the phone. Oh, this person here. Excuse me. What? Like, really? <laughs> Come out. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <clears throat> Hallelujah. I'm just saying. Closing scriptures. I'm going to go to the Message Bible again. James chapter 3, verse 17 and 18. Actually, real wisdom, God's wisdom, begins with a holy life and is characterized by getting along with others. It's gentle, reasonable, overflowing with mercy. Right? And blessings. Not hot one day and cold the next. Not two-faced. You can develop a healthy, robust community. Somebody say community. That lives right with God. And enjoy its results only if you do the hard work of getting along with each other. So, PT, before we close tonight, what is the hard work? It's hard work putting your little nasty flesh under, saying, nope, I forgive that person. No, sorry. No, keep that piece of your mind. You need every piece you got. <laughs> How dare they? Oh, just pipe down. <laughs> I'm done. I am so done. Yeah, you are. S sit down. Shut up. Lord, bless them. I, I pray blessings upon those people. I pray that you would help them open the eyes of their understanding and they're having such a bad day. And Lord, I don't receive a bad day. I don't receive a bad day. God is on the move. Hallelujah. God is on a mighty, mighty, mighty. Right? That's how you live. You don't take offense. They made me mad. No, no, excuse me. Wait a minute, wait a minute. People don't make you mad. 
you choose to be mad. Is that right? I mean, something happens, it's not right, and I know love does not rejoice at the wrong, but only when right and truth prevail. But there's something on the inside, that rage thing. Friends, that rage thing is way too prevalent in our society. Mary, you've seen a few. Maybe 880, you'll see a few. But the idea is this. Walk in the love of God. Be seasoned with a spirit of grace. Don't allow your spirit to be disturbed or perturbed. So listen, that person cheated me $100. That person cheated me, you know, three... Join the club. I had a company just about cheat, try to cheat me out of a lot of money, hundreds of thousands of dollars. We really did. We had a company cheat us out of hundreds of thousands of dollars. Fraudulent work on their side. But you know what? We're still here. You cannot curse whom God has blessed. Keep your heart right. Keep your heart right. Well, I thought it was going to work out this way or that way. Hey, if salvation doesn't come from this way, don't worry about it. It'll come up from another way. Scripture and verse. That's what Mordecai said to to Esther. He said, Esther, you go before them and you represent, because the anointing is on you to represent your people. But if you hold your peace and you don't stand up for your people, you know, just understand this, that salvation will arise from someplace else. So friends, as we close tonight, I don't know what you're dealing with. I don't know who's come against you. I don't know what they said about you and how they smeared your reputation or how they shorted you or how they wronged you. But if you stay sweet and kind, somebody say sweet lips, <laughs> stay kind and stay forgiving. Salvation will arise for you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you have established us a people and the language of this people is the language of love. It's, it takes faith. It takes work to get into a place of love. It takes work to, on purpose, not take account of a suffered wrong. It takes work to tell our physical eyes to just be quiet and stop. We're not looking at that. It takes work to keep our eyes on heavenly things and our hearts and our affections upon thee. It takes work to enter into rest. In fact, we have to labor to get into those places. Labor, it says in Hebrew, to get into rest. But we thank you, Father, that our lives are in your hands. We live for your glory. And we pray, Father, I pray for every person here. I pray, Lord God, you are the God of the reward. I thank you that you reward them even though no one sees, Father, even though the offender does not see the hurt that they were trying to inflict or the spirit in which they were operating, the dear ones that are under the sound of our voice that chose not to take offense and chose the better portion, the portion of love, the portion of faith and believing the best in forgiveness. I thank you, Lord, that we don't allow strife to come into our life. We keep the door shut on the devil. And as a consequence, there the Lord commands the blessing in a spirit of unity. In Jesus' mighty name, can you say amen?